0: Okay, when I was uh, starting to put this talk together, I was thinking about you, college students, and I and I was thinking that when most people think of college students, one of the things they think about, I'm sorry, is that they're broke. It's just like a part of your whole life. Just oh, bless those broke college students, bless their hearts, and I get it. Um, when you're making minimum wage and you have to pay for your rent and your food and your books and you have student loans and gas and groceries and all the other random expenses you have, you really do feel broke. And I was thinking Cody and I have like some really pathetic broke stories from when we were in college, like eating peanut butter as a meal or not driving for like a long amount of time because we just couldn't buy gas to put in our car, and so we've we've been there, it really is a bummer, I'm with you, being broke is not fun, Um, but before you start feeling too sorry for yourself, a gentle reminder that if you're an American college student, you are some of the richest people in the world, congrats, you are the 1%, okay, not quite, but even if you make only $500 a a month, you're the top 21.3 richest in the world, so Does that make you feel a little better? Your monthly income, if it was $500 a month, could pay the monthly salary of 26 doctors in Pakistan. So that's nice. So does that make you feel any better? (laughs) You're just broke here, but in the world, not so much. But I get it. I've totally been there. I, too, have wondered if it's tacky to show up to a birthday party without a present. But the pro tip is just still go. People want to see you. Um, But I'm willing to say that there might be a handful of people in the room that really have a knack for money and money management. Does anyone feel like they fit that? Your shirt says, I like math. Yeah, his shirt says, I like math. So (laughs) I'm willing you. Anyone else? Money management got a couple. Okay, good, good. We have some experts in the room. That definitely helps. I think if you have a knack for it, You kind of have an edge, so I'm glad that you're here. That's definitely helpful. Um, But I'm willing to guess that the majority of you are more like me and have either tried or failed at trying to manage your money or have never even tried. Um, I'm definitely not naturally good at money management. Cody is, like, way better than me. He's way better at numbers. Um, He's always had a knack for math, and math is, like, always been my worst subject through school, like forever, Talked to my mom. Um, So when we were first married, we agreed that Cody would handle the finances because we assumed, you know, like I'd be really terrible at it. Um, But basically what that looked like is Cody setting the budget and then me just kind of like blowing it, like trying and failing at keeping a budget and really paying no attention. So obviously that just like doesn't work great, turns out. Um, So after realizing I was creating the problem, I decided to get serious about understanding money and budgeting. Um, So I read a couple books and got some practical help and began helping to run our family budget every month. So since then, I've learned about money management and applied it to my life. Um, So I hope what I've learned can help you. Um, I'm definitely not an expert. And I'm working on it right here with you. but a couple books that I would recommend that have helped me, just in case you're like I've, gonna need more help than this <laughs> talk. Um, I I personally like Dave Ramsey. I'm not saying like every single thing he ever said like a you know is gold, but general principles. I'm totally with them. Um, Total Money Makeover was a game changer for me, and Financial Peace. He has like a revised one, which is the one I read. Um, I really recommend those. And then I also like Managing God's Money by Randy Alcorn. That's a good overall perspective one I would also really recommend. So if you want some further reading, there you go. There's some fun summer reads. But So this talk is for the rest of us, the people that are not math whizzes, you're not interested in investments or how the stock market works. But you can do simple addition and subtraction. You're in college, so I'm thinking you can do that. And you, if you, with sim- simple addition and subtraction and self-control, I think that you too can have a budget and build wealth. Um, and spoiler alert, even if you are um, inclined to finances or math, uh, accountants and investors go bankrupt all the time. So just because you know about it doesn't mean you actually have the self-control to implement it. So this might also be for you. Um, So I just want to dive into some simple principles that, if applied, will help you live in a more God-honoring, wise, fruitful life. And by the end of the time, I want you to be fully convinced that keeping and sticking to a monthly budget will be an application that you'll keep for life. Um, Because what we know for sure is that Jesus took money really seriously. Consider um, these statistics. 16 out of every 36 of Jesus' print... Parables deal with money or possessions. Nearly 25% of Jesus' words in the New Testament deal with biblical stewardship. One out of ten verses in the Gospels deal with money. There are more than 2,000 scriptures on tithing or money or possessions in the Bible, which is twice as many as faith and prayer combined. So, if you're not looking at money with a biblical principle it's going to mess up more than just your finances. Um, it's not just good a, ni- a good idea. It's really necessary for a healthy relationship with God because it's a basic issue of stewardship. So I'm going to ask you guys, I want to hear from you, what are some reasons you can think of why God would care so much about how we handle our money? Yeah, he was saying that Luke 16:10. I think it's like 10 through 12. It's that area that talks about if we're not handling our worldly wealth, why would we be able to handle eternal wealth or, you know, things of God? Any other last ideas? Alex. It's actually God's money. Ooh, so good. Okay. That's the whole talk. Just kidding. Okay. Uh, yeah, those are all really good reasons. We could probably sit here for the rest of the night and think of ways that, money and how we handle it would matter to God. Um, so no matter how many hundreds of dollars you have or ones of dollars that you have, you've that been entrusted with that right now. And so you want to be careful to be a good steward before God for everything that he has provided for you. A common worldly goal is to find security and finances. And the world says... If you have enough money, you can avoid problems and overall have a better life. And although there are some elements of truth, like money would solve so many money problems, it's not something to hang your hat on. Like every time you place hope in something that isn't God, that's not good. <laughs> like there's problems that follow. Mark four nineteen says but the worries of this life the deceitfulness deceitfulness of wealth and the desire for other things come in and choke the word making it unfruitful and Proverbs 23 4 through 5 says do not wear yourself out to get rich do not trust your own cleverness cast but a glance at riches and they are gone for they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. And then Proverbs eleven twenty eight says, "He who trusts in his riches will fail, but the righteous shall flourish as the green leaf." That's where my first fill in the blank says, "Security is not found in wealth." First Timothy six seventeen through nineteen says, "Entrust those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy." Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of, which, of that which is life indeed. So that verse says that security isn't found in wealth, that we can't put our hope in those things, but instead in God. That next blank is it is found in God, our provider. Not only does God provide us with what we need, He is a good father who loves us and provides for us the blessings of goodness far beyond what we need to give us the opportunity to be a blessing to others. James 1.17 says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. So that verse just always reminds me that God is the one who's providing for me. What money I have is a gift from him, and should be used with care. So to develop an eternal perspective on life, we really do need to develop an eternal perspective on money and how that can affect eternity forever. So this talk about money is not going to cover every single thing that the Bible has to say, but I would like you to feel more equipped to use your money wisely and understand that using your money wisely does honor God. I believe that with a lot of self-control... And some budgeting skills in action, your money, no matter how little you have, can go further than you think. Um, So that's why I had you bring your budgets, because we're going to take a closer look into those, and I really want to provide you with just some tips to help that go further. Um, That next main point, starting in on that, is to spend less than you make. Spend less than you make. If everyone followed these five words, America would be in a much better place. <laughs> um, it's really the simple key to financial success is spending less than you make. <laughs> what Trevor mentioned, Luke sixteen ten through 12. This is the verse. Whoever can be trusted with a very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? So according to that verse, we are the steward of the money we're given, which is really important. And that's why I think we should handle budgeting seriously and with special care. So I'd like to help you get started with keeping a monthly budget and making it. So that's why I had you guys bring your stuff. Step one of budgeting, ready? Add up all your income. So hopefully most of you did that. A lot of people, especially like when you're in college this age, is like you get your, you know, your normal job income, but maybe you did some babysitting, or your mom gave you some money, and it was your birthday this month, so you got 20 bucks. So you just add all that up. That would be your income. Step two is add up all your expenses. So that's all the money you spent from this last month. So once you have those two numbers, then you ask yourself this question. Are you spending more than you're making? Okay? And if the answer is yes, there's only two possible solutions to solve the problem. First solution is to spend less. Okay? So the way you can spend less is by cutting extra expenses, getting creative, just figuring out how to not spend as much, not spending less. The other solution is to make more. So maybe you need a job that makes more money, or maybe you need a side hustle. I don't know. I can't tell you how to make more money, but you guys are all really smart, so I think you can figure it out how to make more money. So once you have those under control, you tell the money where to go. This is something that like, really, really helped me, um, the concept of telling the money where to go and not having the money tell me where to go. Before we kept a regular budget, it really felt like the money was telling us where to go, like things would happen like, uh uh-oh, the car broke down. So I guess we have to spend money on that. Or, you know, there's six family birthdays this month, and we have to buy them all presents. I guess we'll use a credit card. Or we have to drive back and forth from the Bay Area three times this month, which we weren't seeing. And so I guess we'll use a credit card for things like that. But it's like stuff like that happens every month. So it was just getting ahead of us. um, And it felt like we could never get ahead of it. You know what, have you ever felt that way? At the end of each month, we were often out of money, it just seemed to disappear, and we had no idea where it went. It was so frustrating, feeling like we could never get ahead of it, and by the time we paid off our credit card, I was like, we would have to put more on the credit card because we just paid off the credit card. So it just felt so frustrating. When you tell the money where to go, it's much more free. So instead of feeling pushed around, you can feel confident that you have all the money in the right areas. Um, So this is where I want you guys to take a break and work on your actual budget. So on the last page of the printouts, I made just like a mock budget. Some of you may have this better dialed in. And so go for that. Um, I'm guessing most of us don't. I left a couple extra categories at the bottom to fill in because those are just categories I pulled from our budget that I think you guys would also have. So I put them on there. But maybe there's things that I don't know about that you're paying for that you could put on the bottom. So what I'd like you to do is if you printed out your last bank statement... You can. I put some crayons, and Calvin donated some colors <laughs> for this talk, so don't steal them, because Calvin will be so sad, so I want to take those home. Um, take one of the crayons, and say you're doing gas, and take the crayon, and then color all the gas that you spent in this month on your bank statement, and then at the end, it's kind of easier to add it up. And for me, it was really helpful to see like if I did eating out. And I did eating out in pink to see, like, all the pink on my bank statement at the end is, like, kind of depressing. So it was helpful to me. So go. does that make sense to add up each of the categories by color if you have it? Or if you have it on your phone, you could look it up on your phone. Use the calculators on your phone. Time for math, everyone. I know we can all do it. It's just addition. Okay, so once you have all the categories that you spent last month, you can put it, like, next to it. I don't put it in the square because what the square is for is what you want to spend this month. Isn't it so nice, the timing that this, it's like, what, the second or third, what, second? So it's right in the beginning of the month. So technically, theoretically, you guys might have just gotten your paychecks and you can budget out for the whole month of July and it's going to be so nice. But here's the thing you have to remember is that don't... Put more in your columns than what you make, so you have to do some math and figure out about how much you want to spend in each column, and make sure it's less than what you make. Everyone got it? Understand? Is that clear? Clear as mud. I'm going to be up here, and so if you guys have specific questions for your budget, come talk to me, and I'm going to give you guys, like, mm, an amount of time. Maybe, like... Cody says 10 minutes. So I'll give you 10 minutes, and then we'll check back. OK, ready, set. Math. Bring it in. Are you financial geniuses now? Do you feel Oh, oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. Was that a depressing exercise for some of you? <laughs> Uh, It is a little depressing. When we first started, really... Okay, I keep saying we, like... I'm looping Cody into this. When I first started doing this, I was like, oh no, so much T-bar. So sad, no T-bar. Okay, I understand the struggle. It can be really depressing, but I'm not as depressed nowadays doing it because it really does get better. This is like, you're like ripping the Band-Aid off and seeing how much money you really spend on stuff, and that can be a sad day, but there is hope in the future, my friends. Let's talk about that savings category one of your blanks is save a thousand dollars in your emergency fund uh, someone literally just said "bleh," <laughs> so they're not feeling it okay but Bear with me, people. $1,000 in the emergency fund. Dave Ramsey has a lot of stuff to say about saving and investing and all that kind of stuff, Roth IRAs or whatever. I'm guessing most of you are not there. If you're there, that's great. But I think a first great saving step that everyone in this room can attain is getting $1,000 in emergency fund. I know $1,000 sounds like a lot of money to some of you, but it's really actually doable. Um, Some tips for doing this is do it as fast as you can. Do just have laser focus and think of all the ways you can get $1,000 as fast as you can. Cut any extra spending and put it into that savings. Do it as quickly as possible. If you have $1,000 in emergency fund, then you're prepared for emergencies, like your car breaking down or you need new brakes or you broke your leg or whatever, you have $1,000 sitting there at any moment that you could use. And the idea is that when emergencies come up, you're using your emergency fund instead of your credit card. So then you're getting some momentum there also. Um, the Bible has a lot to say about savings. Um, Proverbs 13, 16 says, A wise man thinks ahead, a fool doesn't, and even brags about it. So not having a savings isn't cool. <laughs> you know, like, having a savings is cool, people. Okay, Proverbs 21, 20 says, The wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp thirst down. Don't be a fool. If you're anything like me, and I think, probably many of you are, you'll need to do this budgeting with cash. Yes, cash money. Dream with me. That green paper that you can feel in your hand. Many of you probably haven't felt it in a while because we all do it on our plastic. But converting to cash has really helped me. Um, When we first started budgeting, we tried to do it electronically, um, which Cody can totally do. I think his brain just works better than mine in general, but (laughs) Um, he could stick to the plan electronically. I, however, had a much harder time, and converting to cash really helped me. Um, So what I did was I totaled how much money I needed to take out at the bank. So I left some of those categories in my account because it got taken out of our account automatically, like electricity or water things that were just automatic. But things that were not, I took out cash, like gifts or dates if you have one or I'm trying to think what other oh groceries gas um those types of things so I took that out cash from the bank and you feel like so wealthy when you go to the bank and you're with, withdrawing all these dollars so it feels really cool so try it um and then you put it in labeled envelopes so say you have your groceries You take out the cash. Say you're going to spend $200 on groceries. You put it in the envelope, label it groceries, put it in a drawer. So that has been game changing for me. Um, And you can also do this with small saving goals or even your emergency fund, maybe. Um, Like a small saving goal might be spring break. It's $350. It comes every March. It should be no surprise. It catches people by surprise every year. I get it. It's like, oh, man, it's March, $350. But starting now, you could take some money out every month and put it in your spring break envelope and stick it in your sock drawer and add to it every month and then take it out in March. It wouldn't be such a surprise. Um, But the key is to stick to the plan. You can do this every month. You can go to the bank every month, take your money out, put it in your envelopes, and then through the month, just take gas money out of your grocery envelope and you kind of defeated the purpose it doesn't matter if you put it in the envelopes if you don't keep it so doing this having the envelopes has really helped me with staying in the budget every month um and it helped me from stopping money spending money that I wasn't planning on it so it was it's just easy to spend money if you're not planning on spending the money if it's just on your card. But if you have to take out cash out of your grocery envelope and you give it to the person, you're like, "Mm, this isn't for clothes. You know what I mean? Um, So that really helps me. Uh, Cody and I literally had moments. Where's my empty wall? Oh, yeah, this guy. Like, how believable is that face? Like, we literally, that is Cody and I when our envelope is empty. So dumbfounded. So sad. But that's what... I've I've been known to say, is there any money in your spending envelope? And then that's us. Oh, so sad. (laughs) So that's me. When your envelope is empty, don't spend the money. So I recommend this kind of sounds like... When we first started doing this, I kind, it kind of makes you feel like a child. Like, I don't need to use the cash to know how much money I'm spending. But believe me, just try it. Try it for three months and see how your spending changes. I bet that many of you will see that you're spending more on things that you didn't want to spend money on. And that you're doing too many spontaneous purchases. Like Dutch Brothers is like the key spontaneous purchase for me. Um, commit to your plan for 90 days, and after 90 days, it'll be clear which parts work and which parts don't, and you'll begin to hone in your budget and see how much money you're really spending and kind of find that sweet spot in your life. If you only try this for a week or a month and give up or get lazy, you won't have the opportunity to see it benefit you, and you won't. Get used to the system and so it once you kind of get used to the system it gets easier and easier um so since we've started doing this we've been able to kind of hone it in and i know more about how much exactly we're spending each month we've been able to hone it in together does that make sense Got it. okay next point is avoid debt the borrower is servant to the letter lender so be beware debt is extremely dangerous Romans 13, 8 says, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. Proverbs 22, 7 says, The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is the slave to the lender. Psalm 37, 21, The wicked borrows and does not repay, but the righteous shows mercy and gives. Here are some common mistakes I've noticed with college students. The first one is student loans. And I know this is a really tricky subject, because many of you really wouldn't be here if there was no such thing as student loans or if you didn't take them out. So I'm not going to talk about that. But what I am going to talk about is if you have them, just remember that it is what it is, a loan, and you have to pay it back. Um, Among the class of 2018, 69% of college students took out student loans, and they graduated with an average debt of $29,800. Um, Once when I was in college, I went to Forever 21 and it was so busy in there. It was like packed, super weird. And when I was checking out, I asked the cashier lady why it was so busy in there. And she was like, oh, everyone's financial ages came in. And I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me. But I was just thinking about that. Just those dresses are so cheap. I get it. But they're going to be a lot more expensive once all that compounded interest from the loan that they paid for those dresses with. Those are going to be really expensive dresses by the end of the day. So not a smart idea. If you have student loans, please handle your money responsibly and pay your loans back as quickly as possible. Unfortunately, you would be starting in the red. And so you do have to just work yourself way up to the black. And it's totally doable. You can do it. Just handle it responsibly. Um, the second mistake I've seen a lot of is credit cards. Um, it's a really foolish way to get yourself into financial trouble. Um, to illustrate, I brought an educational video for us all to watch. Oh yes, look at oh, buy all the things. That's a good one, okay. <laughs>
1: oh, I just can't get these numbers to add up. It's like we're never gonna get out of this hole. Credit card debt, does it ever end? <laughs> Maybe I can help. We sure could use it. We've tried debt consolidation companies. We've even taken out loans to help make payments. Well, you're not the only ones. Did you know millions of Americans live with debt they cannot control? That's why I developed this unique new program for managing your debt. It's called, Don't Buy Stuff You Cannot Afford. Oh. let me see that. If you don't have any money, you should not buy anything. Hmm, sounds interesting. Sounds confusing. I don't know, honey. This makes a lot of sense. There's a whole section here on how to buy expensive things using money you save. Give me that. And where would you get this saved money? I tell you where and how in Chapter 3. Okay, but what if I want something but I don't have any money? You don't buy it. Well, let's say I don't have enough money to buy something. Should I buy it anyway? No. Now I'm really confused. It's a little confusing at first. Well, what if you have the money? Can you buy something? Yes. Now take the money away. Same story? Nope. You shouldn't buy stuff when you don't have the money. I think I got it. I buy something I want and then hope that I can pay for it, right? Mm -hmm no you make sure you have money then you buy it oh then you buy it but shouldn't you buy it before you have the money no why not it's in the book it's only one page long (laughs) the advice is priceless and the book is free wow i like the sound of that yeah we can put it on our credit card (laughs) so get out of debt now Write for your free copy of Don't Buy Stuff You Cannot Afford. And if you order now, you'll also receive Seriously. If you don't have the money, don't buy it. Along with a 12-month subscription to Stop Buying Stuff magazine. So order today.
0: So I know you guys are all much smarter than that. You're responsible, young people. You know better than to spend money you don't have on things you can't afford. But let's be honest, the struggle is real. And it is very tempting. No matter how much you might justify going into debt, maybe you have some real reasons, like you went to the emergency room or whatever, so you went into debt. Doesn't matter how you justify it, the consequences are unfortunately still the same. I'd like you guys to take a couple of minutes. I put an article on each of your spots. Um, I trimmed it down to save on some time. Um, so why don't you guys read that article about credit cards and debt. I'll give you five minutes. Okay, you guys should be about done. If you you can take it home with you if you haven't finished. So avoiding debt just doesn't happen on accident. You have to work against the urge to default to a credit card. And even if it seems like there's no other option, most of the time there is. Um, you just have to be creative and think of ways to avoid debt. Um, I do want to offer one disclaimer. is though, Although I do believe that in most circumstances you should avoid debt, we also, also have to recognize that sometimes God asks us to do things that don't make financial sense. Um, consider this verse, Proverbs 4, 7. It says, the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. Though it cost all you have, get understanding. So what we have shouldn't get in the way of getting wisdom. Wisdom is supreme, therefore get wisdom. Um, so some other examples i could think of were conferences or things like spring break um that opportunity to get wisdom my opinion would be that it outweighs the cost however that being said i do think most of the time with enough planning you shouldn't have to put yourself into that situation um Someone who I observed that does this really well is Ellie, which is funny, she's not here, so I kind of get to brag on her. Um, I can tell that she's budgeting in the future from afar. Like, I've never even talked to her about this. I can just tell because there's been a couple times where she's called me in the beginning of the month about something happening at the end of the month for... An example I can think of is we were both going to the same bachelorette party at the end of the month, and she called me in the beginning of the month asking how much I thought the bachelorette party was going to (laughs) cost, and I was like, good question, Ellie, thinking ahead, so proud, Um, and so she called me ahead of time so she could budget out to go to that, and so hopefully that would mean that she would have enough money to go to that, but even sometimes when she didn't have the money to go to things, she thought creatively um to put herself out there for work, so she would have enough money, like she's also often said to me something like she says something like this, like uh, if you need a babysitter this month.' Call me first because I am hoping to make a little extra money this month because she has something she wants to do. And want to know something is I do call her first because, first of all, I want to hire someone that wants to work and be there and make money. And so I'm like, you got it, Ellie. You're number one on my list. And I'm surprised this hasn't happened more because we usually have some sort of yard worker babysitting thing that is for hire. So now y'all are going to ask me to for me to pay you to mow my lawn, but... We'll have to budget for that. We'll see. But I'm sure a lot of people feel that way. Like, I'm sure a ton of people in the church are like, we have all these college unions. I need someone to mow my lawn. I don't know. Put yourself out there and ask around. People like to hire people that want to make money and put themselves out there to make money. So I'm just throwing that out there. I think that'd be a good idea. Okay, my next point is use self-control. It's amazing how much self-control you can learn by sticking to your budget and avoiding debt. Um, God highly values us having self-control. Proverbs twenty-five twenty-eight says, "A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls." Second Timothy one-seven says, "For God gave us a spirit of gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control." Titus one-eight says, "But hospitable, be hospitable, a lover of God, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined." I think one way we can exercise self-control is by saying no to ourselves when it comes to buying something that we may want. Developing your own power over purchase means developing some willpower that when you go shopping, you simply just don't buy stuff that you don't need or that you didn't intend to buy when you went to the store. Um, One of those blanks is avoid what I call stuffitis, um, the worship of stuff. Um, In other words, don't buy stuff you don't need and soon you'll find yourself breaking free of the desire to buy more unnecessary stuff. Um, this is a Michael Scott meme I have. How do I save money? Stop spending money on things you don't need. Nope, don't like that. That's honestly like how I felt like, I don't that's not the solution to my problem. But honestly, I think it is. Ecclesiastes 5.10 says, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. So, I think that's the problem with stuffitis. We just want more and more. We get some stuff and then we want more stuff. We're never satisfied with our wealth. Here are some pro tips, just I've learned through my journey through stuffitis. Um, one pro tip is, like, I'm not joking, avoid Target. Like, it's just a trap. I have a nice, look at. we just need one thing. Look deep into my eye. Yes, I do need curtains. Wow, what happened? That is, like, honestly me, poor Cody. He's, like, seen some real crazy Target bags. I think I have some more. Did you find everything you were looking for? First of all, I wasn't looking for any of this. Also how I feel, no one goes to Target because they need something. You just go to Target and let Target tell you what you need. (laughs) That is like a philosophy I'm still really breaking through. Like, I don't know. I'll find it along the way, Cody. Don't ask me why I need to go there. Um, Yeah, it's a dangerous place. I also have this effect at Costco. Costco seems to do this to me, and Walmart is another place. I don't know. I just just avoid it. If you ever want a good laugh or maybe a cry, I'm not sure, just find one of your old Target receipts and like look through it because like you really went through a journey on that store and you can almost like track what you did and it's a scary, scary time, my friends. Avoid those stores. It's just a danger. Okay, so that I'm serious. I'm not joking. That is a serious money-saving tip. Don't go there. My second tip is the envelope system. It really does help because when you're at Target, you're like, oh, I don't have an envelope for skincare, you know, like, I don't, so many lotions I want to buy there. It's just a dangerous place. Men, I know you can relate. There's so much lotion there you want. Okay. (laughs) Anyways, my next blank is maybe you need to get help. When you are single, you have no one to take down with you. Like, honestly, if I just decided I'm going to be crazy and spend all our money and, I don't care anymore. Like I, Cody would catch on to my scheme and be like, whoa, what are you doing here? But when you're single, it's like there's no one stopping you. Like You really could just drive yourself into the ground, and no one would even ever know. And so I think you have a disadvantage sometimes when you're single. No one's checking your bank account. Um, so some things that might help is making a written plan and sticking to it. I think that's why writing out a budget is really important. Or maybe you need to look for um, a money mentor or someone who can just keep you accountable. Maybe they can offer you some advice. Proverbs 13, 13 says, whoever scorns instruction will pay for it, but whoever res- um, responds, respects a command is rewarded. Proverbs twelve fifteen says, the way of the fool seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. So just, there might be someone around that is better at this than you. Ask them for advice. Beware of the impulse monster. He'll eat you alive. Impulse buying can quickly undo even the best financially laid plans. Make shopping lists, stick to them, and don't let yourself get caught up with a momentary desire to buy stuff. And my last point is give, give, give. Three gives. So let's say you guys all do what I'm suggesting. You make a budget. You stick to it. You pay off your credit cards. you have $1,000 in your emergency fund, and you're sticking to your budget, and you're paying for things in cash, you will be better off financially than you would be before that. That's great. I'm happy for you. I'm glad you're doing better. The plan is working. You're being good steward of what you've been given. That's when the fun really starts. Um, you can give even more than you've already been giving, which would be your tithe that you're already giving. The worst possible thing you could do is become a person who now has the taste of money in your mouth and becomes some weird money grabber. No one likes that person. Proverbs twenty-eight twenty-two says, A stingy man is eager to get rich and is unaware that poverty awaits him. Psalm sixty-two ten says, If riches increase, do not set your heart on them. That's part of my goal in this talk, to increase your riches but not to have your heart set on them. We want to manage our money better so we can give more. 2 Corinthians 9 11 says, You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. God makes us increase so we can increase our standard of giving, not our standard of living. Tithing and giving is one of the most important things you can do. Proverbs 3, nine says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. I'd like to touch on tithing a little bit. Tithing literally means one-tenth. So the idea of a tithe is you're taking one-tenth of your income and giving it to the church. Um, and to clarify, you are tithing before you get all your money stuff worked out. That's something that you're always doing. Giving is what's on top of your tithe. So above that 10%. Deuteronomy 16, 17 says, each of you must bring a gift in proportion to the way the Lord your God has blessed you. And there's a lot of great organizations and people and ministries to give towards. Um, And many of these can't even function without the generous gifts of others. I'd like to provide you an example. It's called Christian Challenge, and I don't know, many of you might have heard of it. Um, Literally none of you guys would be in the room if it wasn't for people supporting the staff financially. It's a really cool thing that happens. That's how Cody and I and the rest of the staff can do this full-time. It literally takes 12 full-time staff to pull off what we pull off with Challenge. um, And we wouldn't be able to do it full-time if we weren't getting paid for it because, you know, we have to buy things too. Um, And this gives us a chance to have this ministry at Chico State. Literally, we would not be reaching as many people, not as many people would come to Christ if it wasn't for supporters backing us to make it possible to do what we do. Um, and our supporters, the people who give to us, understand this, and that's why they want to give, because they, it, they know it's a, we call it a fraction of the action, like they are working their jobs making money to give to us and because they feel strongly about reaching college students and so they want to give to us to make that happen since they can't physically be on campus sharing the gospel with you guys they give to us so we can um it's a really powerful cool thing that people can do with their money that's a that's like the coolest way to spend your money ever my goal is that you guys will all graduate make all your money have a nice emergency funds set for yourselves and you can support as many ministries as you want to because God really wants that to bless other people. Um, That's one example of investing eternally. I really think that the people who support ministries like Challenge are investing eternally because their money is literally helping people go to heaven forever because it's allowing people to do this kind of work. I'm not meaning to say that to say like, isn't it so great that People support us. But I just want you to see this, what support does when you support people. It's feet on the ground reaching people. It's a really cool thing to do. That's like where the fun really starts when you can start supporting people who have ministries or great organizations. Proverbs 3.27 says, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. The great news is it's in your power to do it. So don't withhold giving. You can and should give. I think that's like the most fun part of getting your finances in order is to do all those types of fun things. To wrap up, I just want to say you don't have to be a broke college student. You can and need to handle your money responsibly in a way that honors God. Your money is a gift from God, and you can use it to maximize your ministry and be generous to others which is a really fun thing. Um, I want to pray and ask God for help as we take on managing his money. Dear God, thank you so much for this group of people and um, their willingness to follow you in managing their money. I pray that you will help them as they start on this adventure of being good stewards of what you give them. And I pray that um, you will help them work together together to build wealth, to give to others. And I pray that their money will make a big um, investment in eternity. In Jesus' name, amen.